All right, everyone. So I have to title of this podcast today. Today, I'll be talking about something that's been really popular in the past few months, and that is Bitcoin. But before we jump in, we first need to understand the concept of money and how it came to be. Thousands of years ago, people traded with each other by what is known as the barter system. For example, a fisherman who had excess fish could go to a farmer and ask for a dozen eggs in exchange for that fish. The farmer would gladly accept that transaction as he had excess eggs and he'd love to eat fish. This type of system went on smoothly for many years. But as the human population rose, the number of items that could be traded increased as well. It became very hard to understand the value of a commodity as there was no static price for it. It is here when people started to use metals in the shape of coins to assign value to each commodity. Metals such as gold and silver started being used as they were very rare and also very malleable. This helped solve the problem of the barter system as now we had a standard price for each commodity and life became much easier when it came to trade. Though eventually people realized some of the problems with this system as well. First, it was very hard to trade inexpensive commodities in gold. For example, a fish would be only worth a few milligrams of gold, which would be very hard to carry in the form of coins. Second, this also introduced the chance of burglary and theft, as even small quantities of gold were very valuable and people were fearful of losing it. To solve this problem, people went to the government or the king during the time and asked if they could store this gold and get a note in exchange stating that they had this amount of gold with them. This gave rise to what are now known as central institutions or central banks which printed these notes based on the gold reserves that they had. These notes evolved to what is now known as currency. Each country now has a central bank which prints currency based on the gold reserves that they have, which in economics is more commonly known as the gold standard. This all worked fine until the 20th century when countries started to realize that pegging their currency against gold stifled their economic growth. That is, if a country wanted to print larger quantities of currency, they would need to import larger quantities of gold of the equivalent value. In 1971, to solve this problem, US, which was the leading economic power at the time, removed the US dollar from the gold standard, which allowed the central bank to print as much money as it could without depending on the gold reserves that it had. Many other central banks of other countries followed suit and the world was freed from the gold standard. Now let's take a step back and learn a little more about the role of central banks. In every country, the central bank oversees a large number of other member banks which the people usually transact with and deposit their money. 
The banks then use this money to invest into other assets or businesses, such as giving out loans, hoping to get a good return of this investment. Let's take a hypothetical example to understand this. Five friends, Adam, Bob, Charlie, Diana, and Eve, go on a holiday to Las Vegas. Each of them carry roughly about $1,000 with them for the trip. To keep track of the overall expenses, they ask Adam to collect all of their money and keep a record of the transactions that they have. So, Whenever any of them needs to spend money during the trip, they ask Adam for that required amount. Adam then records that transaction in his notebook, which he doesn't share with anyone and keeps to himself. At the end of the holiday, Adam tallies everyone's account and makes sure people who lent more money than they borrowed get their money back from the folks that borrowed more money. Well, let's imagine a different scenario. During this trip, with all of the money collected, Adam decides to go on a gambling spree and he loses all of it in the casino playing poker. Well, too bad for all of the other members of this group. You cannot see that this system works only when the central authority, which is Adam, acts in a fair and reasonable manner. Now imagine, instead of these five friends, there are millions of people in the system and Adam's role is replaced by the bank. That, folks, is our current banking ecosystem in a nutshell. You cannot see how much power and control the banks have over people's money and also how this can go south pretty quickly. And that is what exactly happened in the 2008 financial crisis. During 2008, the world went through a recession. The primary reason behind this was these banks gave out a huge number of bad loans to people who could not afford to pay them back. Majority of people defaulted on these loans. Hundreds of thousands of lives worldwide were impacted due to this, with job losses and house evictions happening left and right. It was also during this time, a guy named Satoshi Nakamoto published a paper describing an alternate system of banking based on cryptocurrency with a digital currency known as Bitcoin. I'll take the same example I talked about earlier to explain how this works. Now let's imagine the same set of five friends, Adam, Bob, Charlie, Diana and Eve go for a holiday to Spain. Only this time, they decide instead of Adam collecting all of their money, everyone keeps their own money, but also maintains a notebook of their own, something like a ledger. In this ledger, each of them keeps track of all of the transactions that happen during the trip. Whenever a new transaction occurs, each of them reconciles their notebooks. So for example, if Adam lends Bob $100 to buy wine, that is recorded in all of the five notebooks. So 
So even if Bob decides to remove this transaction from his own notebook, this would easily get caught by the others when they reconcile their notebooks. Now, let's scale this system to millions of users and replace the US dollar here with the new digital currency, Bitcoin. Bitcoin works like any other currency out there, except the fact that it's completely digital. Whenever a person transfers Bitcoin to another person, this transaction gets recorded in millions of computers around the world in the form of blocks. And this series of transactions is known as, most of you would have heard this term somewhere, the blockchain. At this huge scale, you can see how this digital currency has some obvious advantages over the current backing ecosystem. Firstly, it is decentralized. Because there is no single authority that controls how money is spent, all of the individuals have complete control over their money and how they want to spend it. Secondly, it is transparent. Since all the transactions that happen within the system are accessible to everyone, this makes it very easy to track unfair or fraudulent actors within the system. Even though Bitcoin works great as a digital currency, most people currently are seeing it as an investment, where they buy Bitcoins, store it, and then sell later at a higher price. This is very similar to how people use gold in real life, and that is why Bitcoin is also known as digital gold, which actually brings us back to where we started this podcast. So that's it, folks. That's my explanation of this topic. I hope you now have a little more understanding about this concept than when you started listening to this. If yes, I've done my part right. If no, I'll definitely improve next time. Keep learning and keep going. Until we meet again, adios.